I really hope everyone had a fantastic Thanksgiving because we all did, and we're back to talk about sports. We're a little tired, a little bit of turkey coma, a little bit of cold, but we got NFL under the background. The CFP is almost ready for the final rankings and all kinds of other craziness to talk about. This is the We Don't Know Sports Podcast. Stay tuned. Welcome, welcome back to the We Don't Know Sports Podcast. This is Chad the Mark with Mr. Brown and Canadian Biggie. Just like old times, Thanksgiving puts people down, but we come back here, the same three amigos, the original OGs of the We Don't Know Sports Podcast. We we do have uh, an additional person joining us later. It's a little surprise, but it's a baseball one, and uh, maybe somebody that has a little bit to do with the Tampa Bay Rays front office, maybe a story about a missing championship ring. I don't know. We'll find out more. But uh, you ready for – you going to do that one with me, Mr. Brown? I'm ready to go. Um, I love talking baseball any time of the year, and I text you guys about baseball and signings, and you all shun me and say it's not baseball season. So, yeah, I'm ready for our guests. I think you can now officially sign people now, right? Did the free agency period You've been able to sign people for weeks. Uh, Well, nobody was doing anything, so. I told well, y'all Aaron Noah signed like three weeks ago, yeah, and they're well, like, I thought that it's was not baseball season. I thought that was a re-signing, not a free – so I was confused. I apologize. Perfect interview for Mr. Brown, who has been getting trampled on. Uh, I think it's because, well, it is football season for one, but the baseball and winter meetings, aren't they usually a little bit further into December, and that's where like more big names in the olden days, any older days, that's where all your big deals went down? I mean, you'll see some movement this month, um, but – some of the big name free agents have held out in January, February, and sometimes even March. So we'll yeah. see. I think Shohei's going to be very interesting because he's also said for his camp that uh, if anybody makes the negotiations public, he's done. Really? Yeah. Mm, so <laughs> he's got a that's that's a lot of trust there. You yeah. got to earn Shohei's. So trust. like you, you, a lot of teams are notorious for letting the rumors out there, and I'm not, he'll never come to Atlanta ever. But the Braves are very good about keeping their uh, business quiet. And the Yankees aren't, so I don't think you'll ever go to New York. <laughs> Mr. Brown, pronounce the name for me of the 25-year-old, three-time Japanese MVP that's coming over. Why do I want to say, like, Yamasudo? Okay. Is I can't pronounce it? the first name. The last name is Yamasudo or something to that effect. Oh, I'm not trying first name here. I'm, I'm going with uh, the yeah. Giannis yeah, uh, Ichiro. factor here. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that the uh, San Francisco Giants land him or Otani? Sounds like they're in both, big on both. Uh, I mean, the Giants could make a splash. I mean, it's, you, uh, I'm just curious. They don't have to earn Judge missed out. They rightly they got money out to spend. On, uh, they lost to Korea. Yeah, they got a ton of money to spend. So, if they, I would think more the pitcher than Shohei. Honestly, what about the Brewers? I saw something where they were spending money on their uh, their draft pick, and it yeah, was so supposed listen, to be like the biggest. Yeah, he's 19 years old. He's never made a major league debut yet, so he's still a prospect. And they locked him up for uh, eight years at like sixty million or something like that. I or like, eighty million. I like that move. I think that's a great move because he's they not did even the Evan Longoria. What is it? They did Longoria. Remember the Rays did that with Longoria when he was in his rookie or even his well, second this season? Is, this is uncharted waters, though, because this is a player who's never even got a day of Major League service. It is, but – it's This is the first ever. It, it's you're, you're guaranteeing him – because at that age, if he starts getting service time, he's going to lose that – So gonna, now – He's going to go to arbitration. So basically young. what that means is he's probably coming up to Milwaukee next year as a 19-year-old kid. Yeah, you're not paying him to sit in the minors. That's for sure. They think he's ready. Sign the extension. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's the same deal like an Aussie Albies got, like as far as like monetary wise. Only he's Albies. making double what Albies is. <laughs> it's a brilliant be. move, though. Aussie only got forty. You oh. see a young kid that got eighty for Atlanta. He's uh, no, he got 40. forty. Oh, I thought. Oh, you're Acuna right. Acuna only got a hundred. Well, maybe I was thinking of Acuna. I thought Acuna got more than that. Like he got but, shorted about three hundred mil by his agent, and he's fired on the spot. <laughs> what to what the Brewers did, what the Braves did, right there. You can see how good they are now. You project project how good they're going to be. Lock them up young, a little bit uh, cheaper than you would get them. Pay them later. And I, I'm not going to say it because I'm a Braves fan, but like, look at the blueprint. This is what any team needs to emulate because the only question we have heading into next season is. Which starter are we going to get? Is it going to be Dylan Cease or Blake Snell or someone like that? Or who's our, who's our left fielder? I mean, that's it. Every day, Eddie. Now the Yasiel Puig is coming back. And you're putting him in left. No. That's what happens. No. But they are, they are uh, on the finalists of Dylan Cease, though. And he's an Atlanta kid. So, imagine him being your third starter. I like Dylan Cease. Behind uh, Freed and Strider. Like, yeah. here's Freed, the thing sorry. with uh, – current version of the Braves. They've all all these pitching prospects that are supposed to be so good. And a couple, like Freed's Dynamite, none of them stay healthy throughout the year. They've hit on all the filters, but the pitching has been a a damn shit show. Yeah, it's been pretty bad other than Strider. He's about the only one. When healthy, it's not terrible. But, like, when you look at the sum of the body of work from all of their Like, there's a reason you threw, what'd you give, $20 million to Morton Morton to come back? Age 40, Charlie Morton. (laughs) Yeah. But he's a a bulldog, man. He's starting 97 in his age 40 season, so you can't get mad at him. But I could talk about the Braves all night. So, what else we got? I I mean, I don't want to go a ton of baseball. We're going to talk a little bit more of that later. I, I meant to just start with this. Did you have a good Thanksgiving? How was your all's Thanksgiving? I haven't really talked to you about that. I finally, finally am done working retail. Um, I did Black Friday. I did this Saturday. I had a Sunday off and then Monday. It's a new day. Yes, it is. But Thanksgiving, it was a whirlwind. I had family in. How was your all's? I had a really good Thanksgiving. Me and the kids went down to uh, Wayne, West Virginia and had. Wayne, you're not, you're supposed to say out Wayne. Out Wayne. We went out Wayne. With uh, my dad and stepmom and Kimberly and Travis, big Reds fan Travis is, yeah. Marshall alum, Indiana Hoosiers alum also, he went to a bunch of colleges. Uh, and we had a lovely meal, visited for a little while, came home that night, fell asleep in the chair to a fire. Perfect day. See, I, I didn't think it was cold enough for a fire. It wasn't. You just it was when the sun went down. I don't know. Not in the house. Maybe it was outside. If you slept in the chair in the driveway. No, I actually just pulled in one of the lawn chairs, put it on my uh, my my mankini, and just right there. Mm. Had the kitty with me. That's a that's an image I'll never forget. Uh, so speaking of fires, I'm sitting here next to the the wall fireplace we have because I'm a baby and it finally got cold and I wasn't really dressed for the cold today, but. Uh, man, it felt like January this week, and I guess it's going to finally get back to being warm, but I am not ready for winter. And I know you got the uh, peak season, Mr. Logistics, and is that uh, kicking your ass yet? Uh, it's already kicked my ass in the first week, but it's fine. We'll get through it, and I'm looking forward to January. How was Thanksgiving? Oh, oh yeah. So <laughs> it was the weirdest Thanksgiving I've ever had in my life, in my whole existence in 41 years. 
Um, for one, it was just me and the kids. Um, and then my mom has cooked Thanksgiving dinner at our at her house since 1988. And this is the first time that she has went elsewhere for a Thanksgiving dinner. We actually went to my sister's house, and uh, we had it there, which was odd. It's, it, it turned out great, just different. Yeah. Me and Landon went fishing because there's a family pond there. We did some fishing on Thanksgiving, which is what else do Catch you want? Anything? Catch anything? Not even a bite. Nah. It's crazy. But the football, football's on. We're eating good. We're fishing. Uh, the sun was shining. Um, the only weird thing was is my daughter was in Florida uh, with her friend on vacation without us, and it was just me and my son. So just different. Yeah. But good. It was very relaxing. That's not a good ho- football that day. That's how this holiday should be, and uh, I'll use that to kind of bridge into the NFL. So we do have the Thursday night game on. Uh, we were off last week because of Thanksgiving. But, man, the NFL has just absolutely taken over that th- they did the Thursday games, which they went from two to three a couple years ago. So we have the th- the three peat on uh, Thanksgiving. You got the Black Friday game this year. I mean, it was uh, it was a hell of a a weekend for football, man. Like even even college, and we'll get to that too. But like, just I loved every minute of it. I got to enjoy some football. Uh, but man, the poor Detroit Lions. I was gonna say, man, the Lions are gonna lie in on uh, Thanksgiving Day, no matter what. Like, I was so happy for them to be rolling in there with a good team and break some kneecaps, and then all of a sudden, the Green Bay Packers and Jordan Love just ran it up on them like old timey sick. You almost thought like Favre Rogers came out that tunnel that day. <laughs> Well, you know, Rodgers might be coming out of time. Yeah, so yeah, that's we'll, a good, we'll get that's there. A good yeah, Jordan loves that guy, apparently, maybe. No, no, it's all about the moon cycles. I told you, fellas, this. I, I don't believe in Jordan Love. I'm just saying that now. Lions are now 0-13 when the moon is in the waxing wall phase that it was in. What did he say? Waxing wall hall. Butthole. Yeah. Waxing butthole phase. The particular phase but that Deshaun the moon Watson was in, phase. the Lions were 0-12 on Thanksgiving going into it, and they lost again. Lions are a little hard to believe in. They're kind of like the Dolphins. They lose games against – well, the Dolphins just lose games to good teams. But the I really the thought Cowboys the Lions like were going to win. Man. Don't even say that. I feel like they are. So, listen, do you all even look at the point of uh, – when you're doing your power ranks, do you all even look at the uh, plus minus ever? Like the Sometimes points? I do, but this last week I did not. I haven't actually for yeah. three weeks. I haven't either. Like, why, why do you bring that up? You have something specific? To no, mention? I'm just saying. If you look at Dallas, they're just. I know they destroyed some bad teams, but like they're way ahead of the Dolphins, and the Dolphins beat the Broncos by 50. I, I haven't compared the two, but I, I can't say I'm surprised because I feel like every time the the Cowboys play some of their uh, divisional foes, like the Giants or the uh, the Commanders, soon to be Redskins again, it is just a massacre. It is terrible. Well, they beat bad teams by a lot of points, which you beat the bad teams. You're I'm better a, I'm going to give you this bold take right now. If Dallas would knock off Philly in the playoffs and NFC playoffs, it would not surprise me one bit. That you, would you, be like a Super Bowl no, for you them. You mark it down. If Dallas Dallas has a team that's good enough to make the Super Bowl in the NFC. Like, you know what Philly looks like right now? Philly's the number one team in our power rankings, and that's across the board. But they're not elite. And, you know, Brady got a lot of shit for coming out this week and saying, well, the NFL is kind of mediocre. But 
I don't know. I don't think it's mediocre. I think it's just balanced. I think there's not a lot of separation between your top tier teams. Parity is always a good thing, right? And there is parity. Like as good as the Eagles are, they got one loss. That we've consistently had them as our best team in the NFL for how many weeks? But when do they murder people? They never like. I think their point differential, honestly, is only around thirty for the whole year. On the positive side, of course, but these dudes find ways to win and. In their scenario, they are who they are. They find ways to win, and winners do that. So you can't just – yeah, they're not blowing nobody out, but, like, every day they line up, they're going to be the favorite. I mean, well, they're not this week. Oh, shit, then I take it back. Uh-huh. <laughs> we'll get to that on our Major other show, the NFL Stone Cold Lead Pipe Locks. We'll get to that later. But what were you saying, Biggie? No, it's major disrespect, but – Winners win. They came off the Super Bowl loss last year. A lot of times the teams have a bad hangover. They get that hangover, yeah. They got the best record in the league. They're like 6-1, and 7-1 and one in uh, one-score games. They are playing great late. Look at the last two weeks. They're down 17-7 both weeks at halftime, right? Both weeks they come back in the second half and win. I mean, yeah, they're not blowing people out, but at the end of the day, a win's a win. They're going to be the one seed. You're going to have to go – in there, whether you're Dallas or San Francisco. Look at that right there. I hate to cut you off, but Dak Prescott, 17 pass TDs in the last five games. I don't hate Prescott, man. I don't think Dallas is bad. I just need to see them beat some top-tier teams. I like Dallas just because I I, I do feel like their defense could do some damage in the playoffs. I think it's because of Dolly Parton. When I look at those uh, numbers there, I think of the quarterback for Nitro and Mark McCarthy's at coach. Ooh, we're up 30 in the fourth. Let's throw another touchdown, Dak. (laughs) There's a reason I sent Kellen Moore packing. But Gino's hurt, isn't he? Doesn't he have a shoulder Shoulder injury or something? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I watched the game that he drove him down the field at the end and they missed the uh, field goal. But, like, they put Drew Locke in. He throws an interception, and they're like, I put injured Geno back out there. That's the best option we got. And he did almost win the game. But it, Geno's a slightly above average quarterback when healthy. If he's not healthy, I feel like Dallas is probably I, – I, I picked – I'm just going to say it. I got Dallas to cover tonight. And it was a big spread. What was it, nine? Nine and a half. It was nine when we picked. You got the half? Yeah, I got the half. Who did you pick? Well, I took uh, the fighting Genos. Oh, yeah, because he got that half. He got, he got the half. That's we why. all talked about it, and I, it was like, it's I nine. was like, it's a push or not? I mean, <laughs> damn it. Let me wait till I get that half. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would have taken him anyway for one reason. Dallas is a much better team, but I feel like Seattle Bro, is, it's at home. Seattle has had a whole week coming into this game because they also oh, played on crazy. Thanksgiving. That is They've true. had a few days extra prepare. And for Seattle right here. They both played on Thanksgiving. But only one of them played at home. Yeah, and you know who's playing at home tonight. You know how bad they beat people at home? Well, we'll find out what they do tonight. (laughs) This game is more important for Seattle than it is for Dallas. Oh, so it's the desperation. They're they're six and five. They went from first place in division. They lost two straight. Seattle's hot. They need to win this game and get that mini bye and try to get into – Pete Carroll's not coaching for a rebuild. He wants to be in the playoffs. We're going to see that desperation when they lose by 20. And, and you know, the the it just goes to speak about the parity in the NFL, man. Like, we're sitting here. I'm with you. Like, Seattle's probably going to lose tonight. I, I picked Dallas to cover. But don't listen to Look me. Look at that damn suit, son. I'm, I'm the worst. Oh, my God, I'm blind. Yeah. Taylor Rooks rocking the – She's got the earrings to match uh, it. And so Chad, bright. we know you're colorblind, but that's bright that. yellow. She looks like she's a uh, traffic enforcer. She's, she's yeah. something. 
Man. Crossing guard. I, I'm seeing Paul Blart, traffic cop. <laughs> the, the thing I was going to say as we're wondering why this bright yellow uh, power suit's on TV, no, the, the Seahawks are still a good team, and you wouldn't be surprised if they make the playoffs, but like it also feels like it's over. You know, I mean, it's so wild. Yeah, I feel like for the Seahawks, if they lose this game, there's no way they're going to make it into the playoffs because there's a couple other teams that are playing well. Like, this is supposed to be a rebuild season for uh, Sean McVay and the Rams. They've been playing really well lately. Somebody has to get in from the uh, NFC South. Team gets in from the North. Maybe the Vikings at 6-6 six and six haven't well, played see, as well. See, I was well. going to bring up the Vikings. Don't you feel like they're starting to like show that they show, can sustain yeah, this? Backwards. I feel like Dobbs, they're, they're starting to question that now after that little bit of magic, and they already said they're reevaluating things during this bye week. Yeah, I mean, so you, you got I, I feel like I feel like Minnesota's trending down. I would agree. They are at this point. All right, but so, when you look at teams in the NFC, locks into the playoffs, San Francisco – Philly, oh, it's definitely Dallas, the upper echelon and everyone South. else. I mean, you're right. Anybody so, else could slide in. Yeah. So I'm just going to go through the power rankings real quick and just, you know, I, I don't know where you guys had them at. I kind of do it anonymously. As the texts come in, I just fill it out and then I research. We all them. see the text, Chad. But you never see mine. You never know oh, where I got that's people. That's true. You're always. That's because Chad determines where the teams are. He's like, you have them at seven? No, they're four. That's not me. Just to push them that, down where they need to be. That's turbo, first of all, not me. Uh, no, he man, if you don't like where you see a team, you can influence it by ranking I'll, him that I'll way. I always do mine before I see yours. Right, fair. I, That's I, fair. I, I have to because you're sure. right. I would 100% do that. I would see like, well, you got the Chiefs here, you sons of bitches. I Chiefs at seven. So uh, we got the Eagles as number one. That was across the board. We had the Niners at number two, but one of us had the Niners at like six or seven. That's turbo. That was terrible. Yeah, I had is. the Niners at two. Let's start calling him terrible. Tommy. I had him, I had him at two Tommy. or three. <laughs> I feel like on the Niners, now that they've had the bye week, everyone's got healthy. They made the trace for ch- trade for Chase Young. Yep. The Niners are back. Who's to been Niner playing range. well for them? The trade the small. for Chase Young is huge, but <laughs> it's amazing what can happen to an offense when you get Debo back. Yeah, and everybody's then, uh, healthy. <laughs> Brown's back. Yeah, everybody's healthy. All right, Ravens, we got at number three. So what's funny about that, as dominant as the Ravens have been, is there any team you trust less up 10 or 14 points in the fourth quarter? No. Man, how do they blow some of those games? I don't know. You know what? Their defense, though, like can we talk about the Ravens' defense just for a second, about how good they are? Like have you been paying attention to this at all? They they historically have a, a defense. Uh, is it passing yards per game? They're like the best since – like in the modern era, essentially. Like they give up the least amount of passing yards per game. Their scoring defense is phenomenal. Like the, there's talking heads that are giving you conversation points that this is the best Ravens defense ever, which is insanity. I can't even, buy into that. Right. I gotta have the. But what, I mean, but maybe world. if the season plays out, if if what these talking heads say are true, we'll find out as the season unfolds. I'm with you. I'm not quite there, but they probably do have the best defense in the NFL right now. You agree with that, Biggie? No, <laughs> not at all. Uh, who's better? Niners. Maybe. Hey, Niners have given up a lot of chunk points. Though. I just feel like overall right now, and I'm not saying it even a playoff setting, but for my power rankings right now, if the Chiefs and the Ravens lined up, I would give the Ravens a slight edge just because the Chiefs have been so up and down and the Ravens have been doing their thing. So I would actually pick the Ravens to win that game. Chiefs defense has been really good this year. Yeah, I get points it. I get wise. it. I get it. 
Uh, Chiefs are fourth. Yeah. Uh, we had them so next right there. So we had them right there. The Dallas Cowboys are number five. I think that a uh, a Ravens Cowboys Super Bowl would be fun. That would be fun, actually. I feel like the Cowboys, though, we over and underreact more to them than any other team. In the well, yeah, they're, that, that's just they're the Yankees, the Lakers, the Cowboys. Look at Dion. Dion's here. Mm. He over here shaking hands with Jerry Jones and C.D. Lamb. We're going to talk about him, too. But uh, I, I, I said they were s- similar to me. Uh, Dolphins are number six, like the Cowboys. I, again, I feel like they're about the same. Uh, the Lions, only difference is the Dolphins aren't a contender and the Cowboys are. That's Next. True. <laughs> a lot, that's why they're ranked higher. Only by one. The Lions, we got at number seven. But I feel like the Lions are a contender. But, man, they just really let us down on Thanksgiving. <laughs> I don't feel like they're a contender in the NFC. I, I just there's no way they're beating the Eagles or the Niners. But they're are they better? In, you think they'll end up being better than the Cowboys? Are you pretty good with where the rankings are now? No, I think they're probably the fourth best team in the NFC. I'm just okay. being honest. We got the Jags at number eight, and I don't Dude, think Lawrence's numbers of, are trash, but they keep winning games. It's like they're like the Eagles, where they just win somehow, and it doesn't always look great statistically, but they're not nearly as good. You know I look I mean? down again. What do they got? Eight wins, seven, uh, eight yeah, wins I think right they're now. Eight, they're eight and three. That's insanity. Because they haven't. I don't feel like they've played well. They've won. I think they started zero and two or one and two, and they're seven and one since then. <laughs> I think we their one loss is by like ninety seven points to uh, who they San Francisco who they beat this past week Texans who we have next which is crazy because the week before I think we had them at ten and they lost they and lost they moved up. and both teams we moved up so we value the Texans so highly because they're ahead of schedule that when the Jaguars beat them both of them got a rub from it that's insane uh, and then number ten for the first time all year. The Denver Broncos make an appearance. They've won five in a row, Can bro. you believe we're sitting here in December almost talking about the Denver Broncos now? What the hell? Well, not really because at the beginning of the year, even when they started out bad, I kept saying, give Sean Payton time. Me and you had this discussion, oh, and you shit all over me. And I you did. Said, Biggie, you Biggie said Drew of our Brees, group is the biggest Sean Payton fan. You I'll said give him Drew Brees made him. He's done. Russ is cooked. Well – they go through that bye week. He fires the defensive coordinator. They make a couple adjustments. They're six and five. They're creeping towards that's that last playoff spot. That's insanity. I'll, I'll, eat, I'll eat crow. I will, but the season's not over. Well, and here's what I think that they finish with like eight, either eight or nine, eight and nine or nine and eight. Like this win streak they're on is nice. They're over under for wins to start the year was like eight or eight and a half. So they're on pace to do what they were projected to do when the season started. But I feel like, though, that Sean, where he's got to watch uh, Russ up close, and then he started making the the play calling and the schemes around Russ's positive skill set. Whereas a lot of teams don't do that. They just keep trying the same thing and it don't work. Sean said, I got to do these types of things if we're going to be good. And then he's played to Russ's strengths. And that's the type of coach you really need, right? Like, yeah. you got to play to the, the skill and the talent level you I mean, have. Any player you got that can hold it down, if you play to their strengths, you're going to be successful. But you, you both got to be on board with what their strengths are. No, I, I agree. And, and realize the limitations. And maybe, maybe Russ had a little bit of a come back down to earth and say, maybe I'm just what I've always been. Well, they said that on the last game I was watching against the Browns, the announcer said that uh, after the way the season had started and the way the last year went, Russell actually went to Sean Payton and said, what am I doing wrong? How do I do it differently? And just completely said, all right, whatever you want, let's do it. 
which is weird because last year, remember, Russ had his own office on his own floor and all that stuff. What a ridiculous thing. All right, so we'll see if the Broncos stay in the power rankings come next week. But the, the other football note I want to talk about, then we're going to jump over to our interview. The college football weekend festivities was amazing. It was rivalry weekend. We had two of the best finishes of college games all year. And Mr. Brown, I know you're not a big college football fan, but did you see any of the Ohio State-Michigan or Alabama-Auburn games? I watched a lot of the uh, OSU and Michigan game. I didn't see the other one. Hmm. I, did, I, did, I do feel like, though, watching OSU and Michigan, that I feel like that's two of the top four teams in the country, in my personal opinion. So take it for what you want. You know what the viewership was for the the game? I don't, but I'd love to know. Over 19 million people watched that That's Michigan Ohio State for nowadays for a regular season game. In comparison, the uh, Alabama Auburn game drew nine million, and that's also a huge rivalry. Of course, when you got two of the top teams in the country, number two and number three, the Harbaugh stuff going on, and it's oh, a draw. The stories write themselves, man. It's like a soap opera up there in Ann Arbor. Like I saw a meme, and it made me smile. Is the fact that Ohio State fans are mad because Michigan has two coaches better than Ryan Day? <laughs> <laughs> That's what it seems like. Imagine being an Ohio State fan, being so spoiled that I, I I could be off a little bit on these numbers, but Ryan Day's record is ridiculous. Do you know what Ryan Day's record is in versus Big Ten teams? It's like fifty and one. No, against just Big Ten oh, teams, I, they might be fifty and one overall outside he, uh, of Ohio State and the CFP. Ohio State with Ryan Day is forty one and three against all other Big Ten teams. That's ridiculous. They're one and three against Michigan. Right. And they're one and three in the playoff. Forty one and four, I think it is. But and they yeah. want to fire him. Who's your daddy? GM Harbaugh. Who's your daddy? Remember it's, when Lloyd Carr couldn't win or uh Brady Hoke or any of them other guys in Michigan? None of them could beat uh Trestle and Urban, you know? You know how they always have that thing and they're like, There's levels to this shit. Well, here in West Virginia, we won eight games this year, and we're like, Liberty Bowl up a uh, couple hours up the road in Columbus. They're like, what? You lost to Michigan? What? We're five, number six. We're going to win 12 or 13 games again. We're going to play in the Rose Bowl again? They're no. Like, Hire Lou Holtz. Lou Holtz. <laughs> Lou Holtz lives rent-free <laughs> in his head. They asked him after the game, and he goes, damn, three straight losses to Michigan. That had to be a long ride home. Uh, he just needed somebody to be mad at, and he picked the most feeble old man he could. That was so stupid. But anyway, the other game uh, we got, and then we'll talk about how you feel about the rankings because the CFP rankings come out, and it's a little odd. But we got Alabama and Auburn. So, Mr. Brown, you didn't, you know how this game ended? Uh, I'm assuming Alabama won because they're playing uh, Georgia for the well, they're, SEC. They're playing Georgia regardless. I don't know. They, uh, did Alabama – they didn't win? So, they had the ball. It was fourth and goal, and they ended up getting a couple penalties. So, they get fourth and goal from the – Like 29 or – 31, I thought. 31, okay. Fourth and goal in the 31 with eight seconds left or something like that. And they scored. Really? Yeah. It, what was the play call? Uh, it was a uh, – I made a little video of it. I'll show you in a second. But it was uh, back corner end zone. I, what, what do you have, 10 seconds to throw the ball? Yeah. You mean they didn't run forever. up the middle? I mean, they thought about it. So Don Nealon would have done. As, as, well, no, Don <laughs> Nealon would have thrown it. 
but he would have done a play action pass because yes. we out. always did that on third and seventeen and fourth down. down. All right, sorry. But uh, Nick Saban, after the game, was talking about, well, that is a play we do practice at the end of the week every week, blah, 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 um, which I'm sure they do. But that was just really well poor, or It was bad defense. Poorly played by the corner is what I was trying to say. It was very bad defense. Uh, it's, I mean, because, you know, he's got third at least 30 yards, so just stand somewhere where you can knock it down. And, like, this is one of those things where you almost want to keep the receivers in front of you at first and then get in front of them to make a play on the ball. But – Nope, they just let him drift behind him, and he catches it, and the game's over. Uh, so, yeah, Alabama, their lone loss on the season was to Texas. Texas at home. Who only has one loss. So, is Ohio State better than Alabama? Well, I don't know, because I think Alabama's beating Georgia this week. Do you really? I do. I That's wouldn't be surprised. Be <laughs> I wouldn't put money on it, but I wouldn't be surprised. You like that hot take, Biggie? I love it. I love it. I'm there with you. I already got money on it. Oh, uh, shit. Well, I had to hammer that, and freaking Washington is a nine-and-a-half-point dog. Anyway, this weekend, let's say that Alabama loses. It'll be the longest stretch in Nick Taven's tenure. They haven't won a national championship. It'll make the third straight year. Even though they played for it two years ago, they could make the playoff this year. There are levels to this stuff. So He's beating Georgia this week. Georgia's not as good this year as they have been. I 110% agree with you. Ride Bama. Also, guess what I'm saying? Bo Nix isn't losing again. Oregon. <laughs> oh. Oh, so let's, let's get whoa, to – Whoa, 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 whoa. So I got a question get, for you. So Bama <laughs> – I'm going to read these off to you. So Bama wins. We both think Bama wins. Maybe Chad's the voice of certainty or disheart. I, I, I think it's a coin flip. I, I, so Texas is – or Alabama's only loss is to Texas at home. Texas is ranked ahead of them. Texas is only lost is to Oklahoma. So – you got Texas 7, Alabama at 8. Alabama beats Georgia. They're a one-loss SEC champion. They're jumping from 8 to at least 4. There's no way they don't stay in. God, what happens they did? with That'd Texas? Be... Texas beats Oklahoma State, wins the Big 12. Don't they also have to get in? This is why you're expanding the You playoff. already said Oregon's winning. Oregon is currently number 5. Oregon which is means, winning. Washington's which means out. they take Washington's spot. FSU at 4. Do they win or lose? And even if they win without Jordan Travis, what? you'll now have Guess seen what? them for a couple what, weeks until you drop them out. You don't have to worry about FSU because they're losing to Louisville. Ooh, the <laughs> veal. So, I, I mean, I know you're not supposed to, like, oh. hold it against them about, like, the future, but I would be totally okay if the committee yeah. takes Florida State out yep. if they're undefeated. So they're losing, though. Are we all in agreement that a Georgia loss still keeps them in? They don't drop further than four? It depends on how they lose. Okay. Yeah, if, if, it, if it's a close game, I would agree. So if we do that, we got Georgia and Michigan in. Washington loses, they're out. FSU is out even with a win, we'll say, but they lose. Now all of a sudden you got two spots left. Oregon's number five, they won. Oregon Texas is seven, they won. Alabama's eight, they won. No, number, it's clearly Oregon over Texas. So you're telling me that? I am telling you that. Who's Oregon? Oregon gets in and Alabama gets in, and OSU and Texas are on the outside looking in. Correct. Who's Oregon beat this year? Washington. <laughs> I mean, is that that's their yeah. Okay. Sometimes USC. It, it helps. It don't matter. It helps. When, it doesn't. <laughs> USC's nobody. Damn it. What's USC's record? Six and four. The Caleb Williams. Seven and five. Seven they finished. They were a six and four. 
But now the interesting thing here, if you look at the bottom half of this, is what I always look at is how the committee sets Why would you think out. Texas would jump in over freaking Oregon? You're telling me a one-loss Texas, Texas can't get into the damn national picture? No, my point is, like, if they both win and Oregon's already ahead of them. Then no, Oregon's they- going in if they win, guaranteed. That's my point. What I meant was – If it how comes does, down to an Oregon and Texas decision, though. Well, no, it comes down to a Texas-Alabama decision. It's Alabama Because Oregon's day. in, but your other team – So if it plays out the way we say with these it's wins – Alabama. Okay? Well, Oregon could lose a pack. Alabama jumps Texas. They're eight, and Texas is seven. You got two spots for three teams. Yep. We all agree Oregon's in with the Who, win. Who's Oregon play in the uh, – They play Washington, plays, undefeated. Okay. So your one last spot's going to come down to do you give it to one lost Texas Big Twelve champion or one lost Alabama Alabama SEC clearly. champion? That's it. You got to give it. The SEC yeah. champion gets into matter. It's one. Alabama. That's what I think too. But has to. How did they jump Texas, who's the only team to beat them, and they did it at home? Because it happened in September. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Wake me up when September ends. Wake me up. Well, I love how they wait when these. Alabama so what they did this last week was they moved Utah out of the top 25, which would be a weighted victory for Oregon. Kind of hurt Oregon. Oh, and we, they moved uh, the theories. They moved Tennessee up to 21. What they That's do with which little, is a weighted victory what, what for What they SEC. do with Louisville? Louisville fell to 14. Oh, that's not far enough. Yep. Louisville's going to move up after this week. But I, I was thinking maybe they would move Louisville down as well in case Florida State pulled it out. That way they could uh, justify Biggie's you know, mm. conspiracy theory here. I'm telling you, it's going to be a fun weekend for college football, boys. I got all the angles covered. All right, I just need you. You alone. I just want to hear your voice of reason. I need the four that you would put money on to make the CFP. If I were wagering, I would take Georgia, Michigan, Oregon, uh, and Texas. Wow. He better say Texas after that last segment. He can't go out Alabama there. Right, he's just got to go out with this. We're going to end the segment. He's got to go where his mouth is. Biggie, is Texas back? Guess who's back? Back again. Texas is back? Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm excited now. And they're going to the SEC. So now we'll get three SEC teams in the playoff. Big Timber Brewery and Tap Room is located in the heart of Appalachia, Elkins, West Virginia. Their name pays homage to the surrounding forests and the industry that built the community. Big Timber makes beer we love and enjoy doing it, creating a product that we, our town, and our state can take pride in. What started as a dream became a reality in 2014 when their first keg went out the door. Their commitment to beer and community continues to grow stronger every day. Pick up a pack of Big Timber at your local store today. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we went and found a guest that, uh, I I don't know, I think he's got a story to tell, a little bit of uh, intrigue with his time with Major League Baseball. We got Mr. Jeff. Magalino, and you have a podcast you do as well, sir. You want to go ahead and give a shout out on that? Sure. Yeah, I do the the Jeff Magalino podcast, uh, creatively named, of course. Um, uh, who's the, who's the host of that, by the way? Uh, his name is Jeff Magalino. Oh, it just, oh, it kind right. of worked out that way. Um, yeah, no, it's a weekly podcast, and uh, generally I drink heavily and talk to uh, you know whoever. 
Someone uh, interesting, hopefully. <laughs> we we may be uh, known to do almost the exact same thing. So, uh, yeah. So, what's your uh, what's your beverage of choice? What do you like to What do you like to down? I, I'm a whiskey guy. I'm a Canadian whiskey guy, to be Ooh. honest. Uh, Is that just Canadian Miss and Crown Royal, or something else? Uh, Can- Canadian Club. That's the that's the baller on a budget uh, drink of choice. <laughs> uh crown royal is is my favorite but you know gotta gotta watch the wallet <laughs> are you a regular crown or like the green apple or do you i mean oh uh, no i, I like crown royal black but none of the other flavored stuff <laughs> no that's not my style <laughs> now are you one of those douchebags that keeps all the little purple bags and just has like 50 of them around the house that you store various trinkets in and whatnot um i have <laughs> Probably about two hundred of them. Yes, but they're I knew it. they're all shoved inside of other Crown Royal bags. Oh, I do that at my house with Walmart bags and Dollar yeah. General yeah. bags. That's when you know you made it. Is that you don't use Walmart bags? I use Crown Royal right. bags when I go well, to the I, Aldi's and I need to use my uh, recyclable yes. shopping bags. I use my Crown Royal satchels. Yes. Yeah, I, I, there was a picture of a guy who had a all velvet uh, jumpsuit made out of crown royal bags and that's, oh, that's amazing kind of the idea of why i keep them i'm like at mm. some point I'll, I'll pay a seamstress like 500 bucks to to build me a a, a suit um, i'll do it for 25 <laughs> i bet his cane was purple wasn't it <laughs> well even if you don't have enough for the full body suit at yeah. least do like a top hat or something yeah you gotta have a cane or a top hat I think I have enough because uh, I, I always buy the 1.75 liter bottles too. So it's, it's just more coverage, more velvet. Right. I mean, if you're going to do a podcast, you need that size. So uh, I, I like the lid, by the way. I don't know if I've seen that logo in a while. So yeah, it's the the throwback Devil Rays style. It's uh, yeah, they they wear them. I think on um, Friday or Saturday games now, home games. So uh yeah, once they once they brought this back, I'm like, well, I gotta I gotta get one. That's the Wade Boggs, Fred McGriff, Greg Vaughn days, right? Oh yeah, the, the good old days, yeah, <laughs> the Jose yeah. Canseco days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so you're you're uh you know St. Pete Tampa guy, born and raised, right? And I see the background, I see a lot of USF uh bulls that you know going. I, I just want to say, and no one listening to the podcast is gonna know what the hell we're talking about, but Man, Matt Grothy, I hated that guy. He was such a dog. <laughs> Man. Uh, I, I, that's that's when I went to – when I was a student there, Matt Grothy was the quarterback, oh, so I kind of so got to go during the time. good times. That's the best time ever for yeah. South Florida. You guys were awesome. They actually would fill the upper deck of the the – the uh, new sombrero there. That was that was good times. We're Mountaineers, you know, so there was that little brief rivalry. We would whip everybody in the Big East, but South Florida for some reason always seemed to have our number. That that 07 game was uh I think it was a Friday night game was one of my one of my best moments in college for sure when we actually got to go on rush the field after the game. It was more like a slow trickle because we didn't we're not allowed to because it's the Buck Stadium, but yeah, they were they squeezed in over capacity for that game. Those are good times for us, man. We we miss being able to be a draw. We've been not relevant for quite some time as well. But uh, yeah. I I, I want to say though, George Selvey is the most missed guy I ever had as a prediction on someone I thought was going to be like a lock to be this phenomenal NFL player, and he just never did crap because he was a monster, just a monster. Ah, uh, yeah, do you remember George Selvey. 
No idea. Oh, he was a deep he play, he made Jason Pierre Paul get to the NFL. Mm. That's how good he was. Yeah, that D line was something. But yeah, other than JPP, not a lot of pro success from any of those guys. That's that's all right. Uh I think yeah, you had a couple safeties and things like that. Well, we yeah. talk, this isn't the South Florida Bulls podcast. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you you worked uh with the Rays for a while in the front office. So were you uh the, the coffee guy? Were you the assistant to the uh traveling secretary? Like what what was your role? What'd you do there? So I started uh right out of high school. I started, I was just at the media credential table. So everyone coming in had to get credentialed, um, which was a, a cool gig. They told me just show up, you know, pay me a, a few bucks to hand out credentials until the game starts. Um, then they said, you can go home. I said, well, can I stay and watch the game? <laughs> and I talked to Rick Vaughn, who was the the president of communications um, for probably an hour that night during the game. And he's like, wait, what the, are you? The Rick Vaughn? Yeah. Uh the, the meter, Ricky. Yeah, yeah. Not that Rick Vaughn. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but he okay. got that a lot. Um, but he he had me go down to the clubhouse after the game and get quotes. And I, I think my very first game was Hideo Nomo's uh two hundredth victory in professional baseball. So, you know, it was it was a mess down there with the Japanese reporters and everything. Um, <laughs> and you know, from then on, every year I I got brought back as a communications assistant and just did it year round from there. So I spent, uh, I started in Lou Pinello's last year and then I, I, uh, left there after Oh nine when the transformation from the devil rays to the rays happened. So you, yeah, it was couldn't, a, you couldn't stand for that. You were like, if they're not the devil rays, then I don't <laughs> want to be a part of it. No, no, that's I mean, everything just turned around overnight, man. When they, when they changed it, I still remember that, uh, we had a big launch party of the new uniforms and everything. And I got to spend three or four hours in a hotel room with, uh, I, I didn't get any of the players. I got, um, Don Zimmer, Wade Boggs, <laughs> Fred McGriff, Dave Martinez, and, uh, Tom Foley and myself are sitting in a hotel room, just talking baseball for three hours before That's this awesome. That's event. Amazing. And, yeah, I, I we all crammed into a tiny elevator when we were going to walk across the street to the to the thing, and I'm just like, man, I, if this elevator crashes, I'm not making the newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I was wondering, like, if you showed up with that crowd, is anybody looking at you like, who's that guy? I don't recognize him. You know, he's... when we walked through the lobby, yeah, I think they were like, Who, who's the kid? Like, <laughs> I, I look like I should be someone. <laughs> when I think of like Yogi. I also think of Don Zimmer. I feel like Don Zimmer's kind of like Yogi, but not like, you know what I mean? Like he's that type of baseball personality. And the fact you got to share an elevator with this guy, he's like baseball royalty. It's 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 amazing. It was it was awesome just having a conversation with with those guys and, and we were talking about baseball and they included me in the conversation too I was actually talking some but but whenever Don Zimmer would speak it was just everyone just Everybody stopped listened. and just, yeah. And, and, you're, you know, you're, you're talking, talking about Wade you're Balls talking and about Fred Wade, McGriff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hall of Famers stop when Don Zimmer speaks. Yeah. Yeah. That's that a, was amazing to me. Yeah. Like, that was one of the most like, amazing like experiences. Earlier, there's layers to this shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For a 20 year old kid, that was quite a, uh, yeah. quite a moment. Mm, that's amazing. So, uh, so you end up uh, leaving working for the uh, the Rays, but I also read that you you got an ALCS ring, but something happened to it. 
Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, you know, when I bought my first house, um, we, my soon-to-be ex-wife or soon-to-be wife, whatever you want to label her as back then. <laughs> um, There's we, a big uh, story there, right? Yeah. No, keep yeah. Well, literally <laughs> one day before uh, we got ADT over to set up the home security system, house got broken into. And uh, the ring, it was just temporarily inside of a little firebox just to, you know, keep it safe. And they, of course, took the took the firebox. So it it made the local news. Um, And then for like two or three years after that, I'd get a phone call. Anyone anytime someone would find a replica ring that they gave out as a giveaway the next season. And they would call the Rays and say, hey, can you contact Jeff? I think I might have got his ring at a garage sale for five bucks. And I'm like, well, first off, it not so nobody's selling that for five bucks. <laughs> Second off, my name's on there. So if it doesn't say Macalino, it's it's not mine. <laughs> so never found, unfortunately. Uh, that's that's heartbreaking. Would you go get yourself a replica or anyone like just so you had something to to hold on to? Or you still hold out hope maybe one day it returns? I I pretty much given up on holding out hope because I think at this point, you know, would have popped up somewhere. Um, I did. I had the letter with the the details of the ring. And I just thought, I don't know, because if it's even slightly different, I don't know that I'd appreciate it at all. Um, So now it's just I got a picture when I got the ring with Joe Madden and uh, Andrew Friedman and uh, Stu Sternberg. So, you know, I've I've got that at least. So I have one question about the uh, Tampa Bay there on there in the Tropicana field. Okay, so I went down there like two years ago, first time ever. Everyone like around baseball is like it's a dump, blah blah blah. But to me, I was happy to get out of the, the hot sun. I was happy to be in air conditioning. That was great. But they're talking about making the change, right? So what's that going to do the for new, the attendance about down the new there? Stadium, yeah, yeah. Can, so can they fill? Is it? that going to change anything? I guess because I keep hearing about no one comes because of traffic. It's hard to get in and out. So when they do this change, is it going to be? Is it going to matter? No, I don't think so. Uh, the stadium should look nicer, but yeah. I don't think it's it's. I think they're going to be able to get more sponsorship type stuff and maybe more sweet sales and stuff like that, but. I don't think you're going to see more asses and seats. Honestly, I I don't because they're building it the same location, which I I've always loved it as the St. Pete guy. But that's just a you know I I'm also a proponent that they, they might as well change their name to the St. Petersburg Rays if if they're staying here. So um, it should be in Tampa then, right? Clearly, I mean, like where should it be? Like where would it draw? If it would draw, exactly. I don't know that it would draw anywhere i think baseball season's just during a is weird it, is time that just in florida. florida baseball yeah because yeah. miami clearly get them is, out of there yeah i want that to be braves country well it, it's just that there's not there's so many things to do in florida in the summer uh, and a lot I, of people travel during the summer um so it's just it's kind of a weird it, it's yeah i i say that now the Bucks don't draw well either, and they're in Tampa. The Lightning had the longest sellout streak of any team in the NHL, but they were kind of a little dynasty there for a while. So that helps. absolutely, yeah, yeah. But the Rays really have no excuse. You know, as far as winning, there's no excuse for people not to show up. The TV ratings are are in the top half of the league, so people I mean, watch. They just oh, wow. don't get there. 
They're literally like a top five team in baseball in the last decade, and no one shows up. Yeah, the organization has ran phenomenal for the amount of revenue. It's amazing. Lack of revenue they don't get from ticket sales and whatnot. I've never seen a franchise do more with less than the Rams. I'm surprised about the TV viewership. I'm not going to fact check you. I believe you, but uh, that that stands out to me. That's a little odd that that many Tampa fans tuning in on the TV. Yeah, well, it's a good product, but yeah, just pe- people people don't like to get get there physically, and and frankly, the the way they've gone out in the playoffs the last few seasons, just sad. Uh, you know, not entertaining at all, not scoring any runs that lingers in people's heads. Even you know, all season, they the Rays were scoring runs again this year. This year, and then again, everyone uh-huh. in the back of their head said, "Yeah, but can we score anything in the playoffs?" and no, <laughs> they could not. I mean, to their defense, though, I feel like the last three seasons, one of their best starters has always went out right down the stretch. And then you're like, mm. that dude's been killing it, and now all of a sudden you don't have him anymore. So you yeah. expected to win with your number two or three. It just don't work. I mean, I yeah. feel like, what is it, McClanahan? Yes, uh, yeah. yeah, McClanahan. He can't also stay a over. USF grad. Yeah. <laughs> ah. Yeah, no, he, he there, there's always something they have a, a real bad issue with injury problems, which drives me insane because they're the organization that's the most sabermetric focused and we can only increase this pitcher's workload so much. But yeah, nope. then the, you're, they're all getting Tommy John surgery. So how much is your math working? It, it, you know, I think it's just luck. Don't be he telling Zimmer that shit. Yeah, man. he wouldn't hear of that. I think no. the ma- I think the metrics tell them to do Tommy yeah, John surgery. Yeah, you know? <laughs> They're like, go ahead and do it. Um, well, they don't come back any worse most of the time. In fairness, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like the chicken pox. You just got to get it early, Take a year and a half off, and yeah. uh, we'll see you then. It's like <laughs> if you don't get it, they're going to send you over to your friend's house that has it to stay the night, just yeah. in case. You know? <laughs> um, so I, I do, you know, we're we're laughing, having a good time here, and I, I know you you got your podcast. You mentioned you also dabble in some uh, stand up comedy, or maybe more than dabble, even acting. But uh, you know, it's not always a smooth road, little ups and downs, and you know. And it, it, I was just reading, I was I was kind of curious about the just the story because I know you kind of been been through the ringer a little bit, and uh, you know, maybe found a, a new purpose here later in life. So you want to talk a little bit about just kind of how you found the the passions you have now? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, you know, I, I, I left the raise my last semester in college. I got my then girlfriend pregnant. Um, so I kind of quickly had to jump into a job that had better pay. So I, I jumped into the, uh, awesome world of insurance claims, which is uh, not not the most fun. And the, the, the th- thing with that is if you're good at it, eventually you start getting serious injury cases and deaths. And oh, man, man, that took a took a toll on me. Very morbid but, things, right? Yeah, yeah. Especially, you know, I'm having dreams where, you know, I'm handling claims where children are dead or disfigured and nope. I've got two kids at home and it's like, my, it, it was getting into my dreams, you know, and it's... It's uh, that and a a miserable, awful woman uh, boss uh, (laughs) just just drove me to uh, I had a panic attack in the office. Why did it have to be a woman? Why did you have to say that part? Um, I just want to very, very much specify it in case anyone I work with, <laughs> I'd say her name, except for, I don't even want to, no, I don't no, want to no, bring, don't bring her good, energy good. into the world. All right. So this, this bitch you worked for, I don't want that shit on me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm none of that bad energy here. Uh, 
but it, it got to the point where, you know, you know, and I, I battled depression my whole life, but it got to the point where I almost, you know, finished it. And, uh, thankfully I didn't. And, um, through talking to a therapist, my mom, my sister, you know, and even friends, it, it just became like a, your, your job is killing you. Like you're not, you're not going to get better if you just keep doing the same thing, find something you love. And the thing that I, I had the most passion about was, um, my brother and, uh, brother-in-law and I were working on like a comic book comedy type series and writing that and coming up with those kind of ideas was the most passion and enjoyment I had. Uh, so obviously they said, well, do something with that, even if you can't make a career out of it. And, uh, I said, well, what if I try to make a career out of it? So I decided to start trying to write comedy screenplays, TV pilots, stuff like that. And in doing so, I would a lot of times write it and say, well, this is good, but it's not funny. Uh, so I, I've reached out to, to stand up comedians, uh, you know, and a bunch of them responded and everyone said, go do an open mic, just do stand up. You'll figure out ways to make things funny that way. And it'll help your writing. Um, almost all of them also said, start a podcast. So, you know, I, I, at that point, I'm just like, well, I'm going to try everything I can see what I enjoy the most, see whatever I can make money doing. and. Uh, Basically, that's what I've been doing for almost three years now is just, you know, that's where the acting came in because I, I did some some local guys, YouTube comedy sketch show. And I'm like, well, this is terrible, but the acting is fun. <laughs> like the sketches aren't funny, but the acting part, getting to play different characters is fun. Why don't I try to do that? I, I basically stalked down a local production company and got got myself an audition and uh got a lead role for my very first acting job that's what we um, call nailing the audition that's what that is uh, apparently <laughs> i sure didn't it didn't feel or, like that <laughs> or or he was on the couch <laughs> the casting couch yeah that couch oh no yeah you know, this was still during the covid time so it was oh, a video this audition wasn't a, this wasn't a harvey weinstein movie was it? no they just said wear a mask <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's not it wasn't mask it was something else yeah <laughs> but, um, so, so hey a lot to unpack there man so like you know i i think i'm not speaking for all of us but most of us who do this show like we've all dealt with our ups and downs and i feel like i have crippling anxiety and and you know we we all have different things that we go through so I, i'm also glad that you're here to have this conversation with us so thank you for not unaliving yourself uh but the uh the other thing I wanted to kind of ask about, like you're, you're getting into the, you, you want, you want the creativeness. Like I, I see that in your conversation, like you want to be able to create, you want to make people happy, laugh or whatever. And like, that's a, I think that's why we do the podcast. Like we do it just because we like talking to each other. We want to share our conversation with the world. Um, and you know, to that point, like they're telling you go do open mic uh, Mr. Brown here, uh, how would you say on a scale of one to 10, your public speaking has improved since we started doing the podcast? Uh, I'm right. I can't talk right now very well, but that, <laughs> that's, that, that's because of this. <laughs> Anyways, so that was my biggest thing. Okay. It was public speaking at work and everything else. But since we started on this podcast, I was nervous as hell. And then all of a sudden it just became natural and you didn't really care like 
about the audience per se, and you just let it flow. And once it became comfortable, man, it was like second nature for me. So now I've had to speak at several public events, uh, charity events and stuff like that. And they just ask me and I stand up and without any preparation, not nervous at all. So it makes you feel good. You know, when you see that development there. So I want to tell that back to you in the open mic, because like, that's something I think about sometimes. I've never had the balls to but do it. But it's something where it's not in your wheelhouse and you're uncomfortable because you're unfamiliar with yeah, it. Yeah, so what's that like? You know, did you watch some first? Because that's always the advice I hear comics give is they're like, go watch open mics a few times before you go, or did you just jump right into the fire? Um, I I, I jumped right in with the open mics. I mean, I, I've watched a lot of stand-up comedy in my life and I did go to an open mic night in like 2016 or something. So I, I, I knew the general <laughs> One gist. time I saw a comic. So I'm an expert <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah. Stand yeah. aside peasants. Yeah. And I, I did my research on, on the club and you know, how long the set was and, and all that stuff. So I was well prepared uh, with a five minute set. Um, I, 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 the first time was I probably was eight to 10 drinks in and I've never felt more sober. <laughs> when I was on that, so they like it, just sober, the adrenaline. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, now you get drunk real fast after the set, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hits yeah. you like a ton of bricks. Yeah, my my first time I did it, I made the awful, stupid mistake of telling some of my friends and family that oh, I was doing no. it. And open mics, notoriously, most of the audience are other comics right. who are not really paying that much attention. So there were nine people in the audience, that, civilians. And six of them were my friends and family members. And uh, I bombed. And <laughs> it was uh, it, it was so terrible. <laughs> did, did you bomb because your jokes were maybe uncomfortable for the family to hear and you weren't encountering like you weren't ready for that? Or was it just that first Tom Jitter thing and just rough? You know what it was? It was a t- it was actually technically just a flawed set for a five minute set. I had something else in mind that I did a week later in front of 50 people and killed. Nice. Um, but I had written in uh, an email to Nate Bargatze for his podcast, yeah. telling him about a funny story uh, about a doctor visit. And they talked about it, laughed. And then Nate Bargatze right at the end says, Jeff, if you're a comedian, that would be really funny material. Wow. So I'm like, oh, one of the best stand-ups in the world just told me that I should use this. So I'm yeah. going to use this story. Except for it's not really a story you can tell in five minutes unless right. you cut all the jokes out. <laughs> um, so I, I did watch the video, and it's like, yeah, I made six jokes in five minutes, and five of them got laughs. Um, but it's a good ratio. It's a good ratio, but oof, not not making a basically a joke per minute, not a good... Not a good, uh, you know, not a, not a lot of attempts there for people to laugh. It's, so. it's it's amazing how big comedy is right now. Just like there's this renaissance of stand up. I think, honestly, when we talk about things like podcasts and just the advent of social media and how it's impacted things like stand up is huge right now. And Netflix has done a lot to help. Like they do specials all the time. You talked about uh, Nate being on top of the world. Uh, I, he hosted Saturday Night Live not too long ago. His George yep. Washington skit, one of my favorite ones of uh, the last couple of years. Uh, so that was great. Uh, what the fuck yeah, is was... a kilometer? Uh, but anyway. Um, <laughs> that, was yeah. a, that was a good episode, which you can't say that often about SNL I, anymore. <laughs> no, but, but that's what happens when stand-ups come on, though. They always deliver. So with that being said, I have to ask the question, who is your Mount Rushmore of stand-up comics? Ooh, 
Uh, I get in trouble when I answer this question because I, well, I guess I'll ask you, you want me to say my four favorites or the four best? Or your four, Mount Rushmore, <laughs> just your four, because everyone will give token answers on the best. I want to hear who you like, who speaks to you, who has the power to move you. Uh, first one I got to put on is Doug Stanhope. I don't know if underrated, you're underrated. Doug he, Doug he's Stanhope. very dark. Uh, he, he was kind of the person who gave me the idea of, Oh, you like, you can be a real authentic person and just make some jokes and tell some crazy stories. And it's okay to be dark and it's okay to be a little weird, but you know, so uh, he's always, he, he, he's a big motivator. Uh, for for me, I I love his I love his style and his personality. Um, let's see the other three. I think I probably have to throw Bill Burr in there at this point. Yeah. Um, just you know, he's, he he's, you don't need to explain. He's he's yeah. phenomenal. Uh, I will say and he's this. not slumping either. <laughs> no, and I'll give you time to collect your thoughts on these final two. Doug Stanhope. Um, do you know who he is? Uh, it's he doesn't promote himself well at all. Like he just shows up and does shows and they're amazing. And, you know, he can put, you know, a few thousand people in a, in a building if he needs to, but like, he just, he's not doing this stuff. You know, he's not doing podcasts. Yeah. He's not doing a lot of interviews. He doesn't do social media, but when I, whenever we get a chance to talk to comics or, or even if I listen to comics, like they all hold him in a high regard. So it's not out of left field as much as uh, you might think, at least not to me. I've, I've heard that from others too. Yeah, no, he's very well respected and he just lives his quiet life in, in Bisbee, Arizona. He, he doesn't care to be in the big cities and try to get TV shows and all that stuff. So I, I, I respect him. He, he loves the craft. Um, Gosh, my last two, I'm going to throw a, a younger guy on there because I think he might be the best guy currently going, Mark Norman. Um, I love Mark Norman. Um, yeah, he. I, I saw him live last year in Tampa. and So just, he's coming to our neck of the woods in like March, I think. So I'm I'm looking to to snag that ticket for sure. But uh, yeah, what would it be at in March? Uh, I think he's at the uh, Clay Center. Okay. Yeah, do you do, – uh, what? What um what do you like about Mark Norman? Just expand on that a little bit. I just I love the way his brain works. And, and he's a guy who, you know, you talk about a dream podcast guest. Oh. He's a guy who's just always working on material. He'll just hear a weird word come out of someone's mouth and start saying non sequitur, just weird things. He's amazing. Yeah, yeah, he's he is. Uh, I like the youth movement there. Let's get up and come. Uh, who's the last one? Yeah, who's number four? Put a put a cherry on top. Oh uh, goodness, let's let's give the last spot to uh, Anthony Jeselnik. I'll say I am so disappointed. <laughs> you don't like Anthony Jeselnik? No, I just kept waiting for George Carlin. You wanted one of the big ones. You know, I, I was that's why he tempted. asked in the beginning. That's why he said, "Like, do you want my personal or oh, the?" But he's so personal with me, man. He's I, but George, George Carlin's, Carlin's my number one. But George Carlin's not a comedian; he's a philosopher. Well, I, no, it's <laughs> <both>. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, it's uh, my dad exposed me to a lot of Carlin and Pryor and stuff like that when I was younger. And honestly, I think probably before I was old enough to appreciate it. <laughs> uh, so that's 
that's where I, I know if, if you're doing an all time, those two have to be on there for sure. We we did a po- Chappelle, man. Yeah, we, we, we did a podcast <laughs> uh, one night. I, I think I we know. I think we sit here for like an hour and just watch yeah. like George Carlin clips one night. Uh but uh yeah, Chappelle's great. Um oh no. Oh well we, we got the Thursday night game on the background. You never yeah. know what happened. I got I got C D, man. I gotta keep uh, he's, he's keep rooting up for C D Lamb to, to score some points. <laughs> um I, I tell you, uh, somebody that uh always uh knew who he was and I've seen him on TV and I, I've always thought he was funny, but when you see his real sets, they just are over the moon and comics revere this guy, and it's Dave Attell. Um oh yeah. He, he's amazing, but like the first time I ever saw Dave Attell was when he had that show on Comedy Central the called Zombiac. Yeah. He came to Charleston. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, it, he he's one that I like, but uh, no, I can respect your uh, your Mount Rushmore and uh, Anthony Jazz. I do like I do like Anthony for real. I like him. He's, I know who that is. His he's you know you always hear people talk about like comics delivery. His delivery is amazing. It, it's, it's a different he, plan. No, but he's such a dick, and he delivers it so well. And when you think it's the punchline, it's not really the punchline. There's right. a worse, more dark. You talk about dark. It gets dark as it goes. That's that's your thing, then. You you like the, uh, the darker, the better. Is that how it goes? Uh, in general, I think my mind tend to, tends to go that way. So yeah, I I think that's I think that's part of it. I like I like. Said. <laughs> oh. right. yeah we're we're, uh, we're gluttons for uh self-punishment yeah. but i uh, hey, we we got a few minutes here i, I want to wrap up because uh you know ron tomato says that you were a star of a feature film that got a 54 percent uh from the uh critics out there so uh that's got to feel good so uh tell tell us more about that audition and the movie is uh women want everything and that's based off a novel or a screenplay or something i can't remember off a off you, a stage play Stage play. There you go. So tell us, tell us a little bit about that experience and uh, tell us about that role. I, uh, I auditioned, I, I found this role through and the director responded to me and he's like, you, we weren't even going to audition for these roles for another month. I don't know how you even found this, but here's the sides. Go ahead. Send me an audition. Um, he, he called me after, after the first audition and said, Hey, I'm, I'm sending you a, a little direct and a video of a scene of the play um do a do a second audition for me and send it to me I sent it to him and uh a month later he called me back and said sorry it took so long you you were a month ahead of us but you got the got the part um and it, it was playing Stuart, who's a, a redneck i had to do a southern accent which uh, let's, I, let's hear it. Let, let's just hear you say say west by god virginia uh, let's. I, I I don't know if this is consistent with the one I did in the movie. West by God, Virginia. He was he was he was fast. He was fast. Like it was. So my first audition, the problem was, uh, I did a real slow Southern drawl, uh, and I was so focused on that. And he sent me the scene and said, "Look, look at it. He's really upbeat. He's energetic. Still has the accent." And I'm like, "Oh, I'm terrible with accents to begin with." So now I need to, I even made the joke to him. I'm like, you know, I never really thought to ask if, if my accent was remotely consistent because, <laughs> you know, there, it, it took weeks. We we had to deal with uh, delays for the house we were shooting in had mold. So we, we nice. had to delay for two weeks. Then we got hit by a hurricane. So that pushed us back another two weeks. So I was getting into this character like, and then gaps in between. So I, I was, I, I didn't even think until the last day, I'm like, 
Shit, I hope my accent <laughs> stayed somewhat consistent. It's not the greatest, but uh, I am it's, a comedy relief. It's like Kevin Costner and Robin Hood. The half the movie is English, oh, the other half is just you know. I had to. Mm. Yeah, well, and I didn't. I didn't stay in the accent between takes or any. Like a lot of actors, oh, were you're, like, you're oh not, yeah, you're not a method actor. You're no Jared Leto or uh, no. You know, I did. I listened to country music, which I don't usually do on the way to the set. I tried to be a little. Um, this character's kind of a dirty, uh, you know, filthy, like hygienically. Yeah. So I, I tried to, uh, sometimes enhance the amount of sweat on my body or just splash water <laughs> on my, you know, so just little, little details like that. But, uh, no, when, when, when they said action, I, I, I did the accent when they did not, I was out of so what what type of character was this outside of being a redneck? He was just a dirty guy. What what was your uh, motivation here? Well, I took him on. So this this movie is about four misfit friends who are trying to figure out what women want, and uh, he's Stuart's kind of the dumb one, but I kind of took it on as he's just a little ignorant to the outside world. He grew up as like a pig farmer, and you know he doesn't know that you're supposed to you know wipe your ass until all the poop's gone just so simple things like that that, that he, he's just but he he's very wise though he just doesn't know how to you know hygienically and socially interact with with the world we say that we call that street smarts oh, around here well yeah yeah that's that's how i that's how i i took him on is i thought he's he is the wisest of these four people that all think he's an idiot so that's kind of how I, I I wrote into it. And uh, yeah, things went well. A lot of laughs at the premiere. I was lucky, you know, Rod Grant, the, the guy who wrote and played one of the other leads, um, I he told me at the rap party afterwards, he's like, oh, you got the biggest laughs from the audience. I'm like, well, I was reading your lines. So, you know, that, that's, that's a credit I, I to you. I learned to take a compliment. It's okay. <laughs> learned to take the compliment. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, it was, it was a, a, a good a good, uh, a great experience. And especially being able to be a lead your first time out, it kind of spoils you a little bit, but you know, hey, aside from I, that, that's better than starting from the bottom. So, Hey, we got like a minute and a half left and we got to pay some bills. So, uh, your podcast, give me a 30 second synopsis to let our listeners know what to expect on your show. Uh, yeah, the Jeff Macalino podcast, just, uh, tune in. I got different guests every week, ranging from paranormal experts to astrophysicists, a lot of comedians, actors, and, uh, I drink a lot, sometimes a lot more than others. And, uh, those episodes can be a little hairy, but Hey, there's, I tell people there's an episode for everyone. Just read the show notes and you'll see, you'll see what kind of guest I have. And you can guess from there, man. Sounds good, brother. Hey, I, I appreciate you coming on the, we don't know sports podcast. And if you ever want some, uh, reciprocity or however you say that word, I'm from <laughs> West Virginia. Don't hold against me. I'll come on your show anytime you need a guest buddy, but Hey, make sure you give Jeff some support. Give him a follow out there. Find his podcast. Give him a listen. And damn, man, it's I can't believe it's been 45 minutes already. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, you too. Thanks, both of you guys. All right. And uh, I love the raise hat. I'm gonna put a picture of that online. <laughs> yeah. We'll see good. you, buddy. Thanks, see Jeff. You. Don't forget to follow us on all forms of social media: YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. We'll keep bringing you new content wherever you get it. 
Special recognition to Mr. Brown's Labor of Love, a growing Facebook group, America's Pastime for the Love of Baseball. There, hundreds of former big league players, umpires, managers, announcers, and writers interact with our fans to talk all things baseball. Make sure you find our other Facebook groups as well and give them a like, a follow, and a subscribe to We Don't Know Sports on all platforms. All right. Well, once again, we had a great time talking to our guest. Are you guys okay? What is wrong with What's going on? No, we're great. Go. (laughs) Continue on, sir. You guys are always great. That's why I show up here every week. The mental issues that join this group together so tightly are on full display right now. Have you seen the – there's a meme where uh, somebody has a video and it's like, me and my friends started a podcast and it's the end of War Dogs and they're arresting them. And yeah, like that's what would happen. I yep. we've avoided jail time so far, so that's that's not bad. That's good for not us. Not Facebook jail time, but regular no, jail time. Yeah, no, you got a life sentence. Yeah, You're, you they put your ass at Alcatraz. You guys are in presence of a criminal, <laughs> a mastermind, <Yeah. laughs> something. Anyways, I hate Facebook. Bro. Yeah, it sucks. Social media, just I don't know. I had um, I had something TikTok first video I ever got pulled on TikTok wasn't a video. I did pictures. Of the uh, one where you had to draw in the imagination, and they got me for violence because of the Mortal Kombat, you know, looking picture. Oh, finish her. Yeah. You put that where? On TikTok. For our page. Yep. Oh. <laughs> Damn, I'm surprised Jeff. those Chinese people didn't like that and take it as their it's, own. It's the only thing I've ever had taken down so that I've put on that You platform. didn't put them all on there. Oh, yes, I did. They didn't care about the one with the girl with the penis. Maybe I didn't put that one. Exactly. <laughs> I can't remember. You put the broccoli on there. It said it violated community you, you standards. You put that she got ran over by a car. It said, <laughs> it was said violence is why I got in trouble. Yeah, it's probably the car. Uh, <laughs> hey, definitely not the decapitated beep, beep. Head. Floating head. Finisher. <laughs> oh, Fatality. Spe- speaking of violence, uh, Biggie uh, was talking to me about the the. The, the movie Oppenheimer, which, you know, killed a lot of people in theory. But uh, so you said hundreds of thousands. So, you know, it's a long movie. Every, like we, we talked about three hours long. We talked about uh, Killers of the Flower Moon being not worth the time to watch Oppenheimer. Is it all hype? Is it good? Scale one to ten. I need to hear. Like, give me some details. Depends on what you think you're getting when you go into it. You think if it's named Oppenheimer. It's a Nolan movie, right? Christopher Nolan. I know what a Nolan movie is. So on the outside, you think Oppenheimer, oh, they're going to talk a lot about the war and building a bomb. No, it is like an Oppenheimer documentary, and it paints him out to be who he was throughout his life from childhood studying up until post-war. They've got stuff in there that they actually took the – the words out of the transcripts from 54 and 59 when he was going through his government stuff where he was like, hey, just because we built this doesn't mean we should keep building them. And then he got his government clearance pulled and all that because, you know, you can't go against the government wanting to you know, build bombs. <laughs> no, we, we know that. Uh, so it went a lot of back and forth. It went from post-war to pre-war. I loved how it was laid out, but uh, it was more of a, a documentary about him, the person, than about the, the atomic bomb. Yeah. No, and that's, I think that's kind of what I expected anyway, because it is called Oppenheimer and not yep. the Manhattan Project or whatever else it is. But, you know, I, I'm I'm good with that. But on a scale of one to 10, what would you give it? I give it an eight. It was well acted. Right. Is Robert it better Downey than, Jr. Better than Barbie? It. What's that? Better than Barbie? Uh, 
I've yet to see Barbie. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, if I rate this as an eight, it's eight better than Barbie. So (laughs) you said a Nolan movie. You're talking about the same one who directed The Dark Knight, correct? Dark Knight, Inception. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, you could tell the same. Because he had that same actor as one of the main characters. So you watched it too? Well, I haven't seen it yet. Oh, you haven't seen it? Okay. I'm just comparing it to The Dark Knight director or whatever. Clive Owen is good. Uh, I felt like... uh, Oh my God, Matt Damon! Matt Damon, he played his role excellent. I, I just enjoyed it. I thought it was well played because you got Clive Owen, Matt Damon, uh, Robert Downey Jr. There are a few other. I big didn't realize names that all of them were in this. Yeah, that's a hell of a cast. You, you won't recognize Robert Downey Jr. because he's not Iron Man. He well, doesn't no, play Tony the, Stark in this movie. The way they have him, man, he plays Alan Strauss. So, and then you got a guy that plays. Uh, you got I. I uh, Einstein in there. You got uh, Harry Truman. You got, <laughs> Who plays Einstein? What's this hit right here? What's this? What's this? Turn wait, around. Wait, Thursday night game. He action. jumped over him. Oh, dig. And then he's like, bam. Ah. <laughs> and knocked him down. Ooh. But then they started chirping. It was better fast paced. You know, this game's like got eight minutes left yeah. till halftime at 17 yeah. 14. Yeah. Dallas. It's going to be one of the rare games this year that gets the over. It might be. It might get it by halftime at this rate. Oh, man. Um, so, you know, we're getting ready to run into the uh, the darkness time when it comes to movies. Like, we're getting ready to get caught up with all the, you know, lack of activity with the uh, strikes and whatnot. It's going to suck for, like, the next year. You don't have that much stuff coming out unless you want to go watch the Trolls movie. No Honestly, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and say this. I don't give a shit about the writer's strike. It hasn't affected me anyway whatsoever. No, that's what I'm saying. It's about to. No, I don't even – it's – it's not going to affect I me. If you don't like watching it's movies, about you're to. Fine, but. My point is, it hasn't hurt my feelings because ah. I feel like it's been slowed down already. I wasn't trying to hurt your feelings. I'm just <laughs> simply stating that there's not going to be very many more movies coming out here over the next six months or so. No, I think that we'll get some out because the reason I say that, they had the writer strike, but there was stuff in production to that point. I feel like so, that's what we've been getting, though. Yeah, but people are going to want to get their stuff out first before, you know, like the summer blockbuster. So you'll get some out. I don't think it's going to be the cream of the Is crop. the summer blockbuster still a thing? Apparently, because Top Gun came out during the summer, didn't it? It did. You're right. That was one of the best sequels I've ever seen in my life. Is that one of the rare times where the sequel actually outperforms the original? I mean, that one did for me. I can't speak I, for everyone. I think it did, too. Uh, that's why I asked. Uh, I'll say this. That one did. It's one of the rare ones that did, and it outperformed it by a mile, even though you knew what the story plot was going to be before you ever watched it. And on the other side of what you said there, if you're a weekly show viewer, I think you're set further behind than you are as a moviegoer. Yeah, uh, but I, I think there's so much out there when it comes to television, though. Like, there's so many. Like, can, can you name a series that Apple TV does? No. I can't either, but you know there's people out there that subscribe to Apple TV because they want to watch like one show. And I, I don't know what comes from Apple, but you got Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Paramount Hulu, Plus, Paramount Plus, HBO Max. All yeah. these people are like making making shit. You know, it's just too much. And I feel like the quality's gone down and I mean it has, yeah, but it like has. how the hell is like direct TV even still in business? Well, we say that because we've been streaming for years. No, even with the people streaming shit today, like the regular way. Uh, that's what's going to happen, right? Is How it? do they even have a thing anymore? Won't cable packages and like satellite be the thing of the past? I, I'm, that's what I'm saying. How is it not already? Right? I mean, you know what started it? 
like sports conditioned us that because like who would have thought that just think about this NFL Sunday ticket. What platform is it on? Now it's on YouTube TV. It's on YouTube. I mean, don't get me wrong. YouTube TV, people stream it and all that stuff. But right. like we've gone to where like DirecTV, that was their market share gorilla that gave them a stake in the That's game. That's what kept them in the game. Because you could for, only get it with for them. several years. And YouTube took it from them? Yeah. You're done. Money talks. Just like Amazon, Jeff I mean, Bezos, like, to me, and a Black like, Friday like, game. Let's pretend for a minute we're not sports fans, right? If you're not a sports fan, there's literally like three or four movie platforms you can get for free, and you don't even have to pay for anything. So why would you keep paying for anything like that, right? Well, oh, like, you're not entertained? We're in the era now where cell phones have pretty much eliminated this other than your business. You don't have a landline, right? How many of us our age or even a little bit older have a landline? Maybe your parents do, but they're I the don't have ones. no damn landline. So that same thing is now happening with television as far as cable goes, DirecTV too. Cable will be obsolete just like the landline was in another 10 years. I think it's going to be delete or obsolete within the next five years. It just it depends on where you're at. Already. In states like West Virginia, it may not be because it's going to take so damn long for us to roll it out and change. Yeah, but you're right. right. Majority of the country. It'll be like when everybody got AOL and we were like, what's that? Yeah, one phone number the whole state could dial into to get on the internet. Your your rural mountainous areas may longer depend on cable because they can actually get access to it. I was getting pissed because back then when it was so slow, you get on AOL and it was like, damn it, man, I'm trying to get on these group chats and it was like ASL, you know, and I'm 12 years old. I'm trying to get me some girls and like, you know what I mean? It's and slowing it down. All you were getting were guys in Nebraska in their basement yeah. lying. You yeah. Know? They're like, yeah, I'm a 14-year-old female right in your area. <laughs> no, they never say 14. They always say like 17. Yeah, probably. They, they, had, to, they had to lure you in. Yeah. Because uh, you're like 12 and you're like, yeah, 17-year-olds coming dude, after me. I remember AOL was so wild. The internet was so small that when Columbine happened, I remember like you could just go pull up the profiles of like Dylan Klebold and Eric Harris, and you were like, oh, my God, these are the murderers that killed all those people. And, like, now you just see garbage on Twitter, like, every five minutes. It's insane how much it's changed. I just missed the dial-up sound. That was uh, – there was something about it. The worst was, though, in my house, like, somebody being on the computer – and you went and picked up the phone not yeah, knowing it. I got you. That noise scared the shit out of yeah. you because you know you're about to get your ass beat because you just knocked somebody off the internet and they're going to be mad. And if it was peak time, they're going to be dialing back in for 20 minutes. Yeah, you get busy signal because in West Virginia, you got one phone number you called. It was the dumbest, dumbest thing ever. Imagine that company, how big they got. And then they just disappeared. I don't know if people are like, well, they still exist. But it's not what it was. Remember, they bought like Time Warner. AOL Time Warner. Time Warner was like 80 years old. And AOL's like five years old. And they're like, move, bitch. Get in line. Like, it's amazing. And people worry about like industries all of a sudden dying. Like, it happens, man. Like, something else is going to pop up and take its place. It always does. Well, just look at Mark Cuban uh, Selling a majority stake. Dude, I seen that yesterday, and that blew my mind. Well, I never thought in a million years he would even entertain what, this. What? What? What caused this? Do you well, know? Well, I'll get there. What I was going to say is, how did he get his money? He was a dot com guy. He was broadcast.com. It was like an early version of YouTube. Yeah. yeah. 
So he sold that. He bought the Mavs for $285 million, and he sold his stake in them for close to $3 billion here recently. God, he's going to remain their okay. governor and uh, overall all basketball decisions, though. He's Still? also ended his time with uh, Shark Tank after this season. A lot of people thought it was going to be for a presidential run because he has talked about that in the past. But what it looks is like he's trying to do, he signed a gambling deal with a casino owner from Vegas. They're going to try and come into downtown Dallas, open a casino, build it around where the Mavis facility is, and have a three or four block area of yeah. basketball and gambling. I he was too to lazy to click that. on the link and thought they might be trying to move him to Vegas. And I thought, there's no way Mark Cuban would do that. So I'm well, glad to hear that. Yeah, he's trying to bring a piece of Vegas to Dallas. That's uh, although he's, just so, he, so you, he's selling it for so to avoid conflict of interest, yeah, type thing. But he's still going to be the governor, no, I, I, or the yeah. Owner. But if he makes if it's if it is politically uh, induced, then yeah, that's easier to step away from that than having to do all these trusts and things like that that we we learned from the Trump presidency, apparently. But my, here's my question: dude. If Mark, dude, Cuban, go ahead, go ahead. Could you imagine a debate on stage? With Trump and uh, Mark Cuban, would, would Mark Cuban be a viable Fremont. candidate? What do you, do you think he would? I, I don't know. If I he feel like he, I just would enjoy a debate. He's not ninety. Like he's not an old oh, man. Would he be a? Yeah, he's only sixty-five. Yeah, like, I feel. I feel like his charisma would be ho- enough to hold its own in debates and keep him re- respectable in the polls. I th- that's what I'm saying. I think he. I think it'd be more than respectable. I'm just when saying. I, follow I him, think he would be. A, uh, he, what he runs as. Yeah. Yeah. I follow him on Twitter, and I mean, he's pretty dialed into a lot of different things that would be part of what you have to know to run like, for president. I so I think he would. Yeah. I think he would hold what, his own. Where would you say he is? Right, center right, center, center left, or far left? I think he's uh, slightly center right. Okay. Slightly center Most right. Most rich people are. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and that's why. He's definitely not left, and he's definitely not right. He's mm. he's center-ish. Huh. All right. Well, stay tuned for the uh, Mark Cuban political drama. That'll be interesting. But, uh, I got to wrap up with a couple things here real quick. Uh, we don't talk wrestling often, but we do occasionally. And we had that Survi- would be what not often is. We had Survivor Series over the Thanksgiving holiday, and we uh, had the return of CM Punk in uh, WWE, so hell officially froze over. I guess the uh, fallout from AEW was so bad, but Punk figured that he probably still wanted to wrestle. Or maybe – Maybe he's just poor and needs money. I don't know. They say he's good with his money, but did you ever think he'd be back in the E? I'm very, very surprised. The only reason I think that he's back in there or that it could happen is the fact that Vince McMahon, it's Endeavor now, not Vince McMahon. Yeah, and, you know, they Triple H, man, he's he's doing his thing. Like So their, their ratings and – like they're starting the build for WrestleMania now. They used to wait till the Rumble, but Randy Orton comes back, see him – like they're – they're hot right now. If you're a wrestling fan and you're not watching WWE, you're missing out. They got a lot of things moving in the right direction. So if you even watched what he said in his second appearance, he said, I am here to get paid. That answers your own question. Yeah, but is that a work or a shoot? No, I don't feel like he's looking out for anybody but himself. That's what he always That's does. That's what he always does, right? Isn't that the, the moniker? And then, Well, hey, if you're a professional wrestler, are you not an independent contractor? Well, if you work for WWE, you are. But I think AEW might be a little different. But uh, the uh, the thing I, mean, I want to... Here's that- my thing, though. So we've got CM Punk coming back, came back. Randy Orton came back. You have... Uh, 
Oh my god, I'm drawing a blank. Anyways, so we had, there was like six people that came back in the last like th- three months, but th- those two big names. But like, what is AEW going to do? Like, how do they maintain because the arenas aren't selling out? And like, Edge is your guy. Yeah, I mean they they need to do better than elevate. They they got to build some some of their own talent. You can't just get what is quote unquote WWE castoffs and try to build off of that. So they have that with MJF, and MJF is is great. But the question is, like, will they keep him forever? Or is he going to uh, go to there's, WWE? There's no way he's staying. I mean, you wouldn't think. There's so um, much momentum right now. I mean, they, they signed a guy named Will Ospreay, who's a big indie guy. But, like, that's where you're at. Until you establish it, like, you've got to have – you you got to build a better product that's going to captivate the casual wrestling fan because diehards are going to go watch AEW. But, like, the person that's flipping through the channels, are they going to stop on AEW? I, you know, they're not really giving you a reason to right now. And that's not, I'm not knocking the product, but I know who Roman Reigns is, but does, do you guys know who Swerve Strickland is? No, I know who, uh, that's my point. Who's and he's the, a big the guy. Cassidy kid. Or oh, Orange Cl- Cassidy. Yeah. That's because I, I dressed that up as him for fantasy. Well, <laughs> my kid's got a jacket. It looks like he would wear it. He's got a great intro song. He plays Jane by Jefferson Starship thing about AEW is that I would see it taking them longer to fold for the simple reason they have so much money behind it. The Well, they're making money. Like, here's the thing. They don't make as much off the, the, I mean, they make money off the ticket sales and whatnot, but AEW doesn't really run house shows, but they have the TV deal. And the TV deal is what pays the bills. And well, the thing that helps them owner. with that TV deal is the fact they cut both their TV shows in the same night. Like we went. Right. They do their Wednesday night one live, and then they cut the Friday night show after that one. All you need to know is since they've started, they went from one show to three shows. So, I mean, they, they, TNT and TBS wouldn't be throwing money out there if they weren't getting a benefit from the advertisers there. So that's what I think. What so. always blew my mind, though, is how Cody Rhodes is the biggest, one of the biggest proponents of that, and now he's back where he was supposed to be all along. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I don't know what happened. Something happened beyond the scenes that we don't know the story about. But uh, honestly, the biggest problem with the AEW run for Cody is, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but I'm a wrestling mark, so I'll watch this stuff. But Cody and, like, the first three months he was in AEW, he wanted a rematch with somebody. And he's like, I, I promise if I lose, I'll never challenge for the world title again. Well, he lost. And like, this is, this should be your face of the company. Like you see how big he is in WWE. Like he's a, he's a big star. How do you say that you can't let him have a title shot? That's stupid. Dumb, dumbass things. Wrestling booking companies do. Well, that's like a Bischoff move. It is like a Bischoff move, but I was going to ask you though because you brought it up. They've they've te- I think you know who CM Punk's WrestleMania opponent will be. I'm guessing Seth Rollins. That's what I'm. Assuming. It's Seth Rollins. Yeah. So they they have and and wrestling is great whenever you blur the lines of reality, right? Like even wrestlers are their best when they turn the volume up to eleven and they're just themselves. So Seth Rollins and CM Punk have had a little feud online for a couple years. And then on his return, you know, he kind of off camera was overreacting to it. But, you know, people were there with – they know what they're doing. Well, they make sure that happens after the show goes off the air. So but they, let it, they it. let it leak out on social yep. media. 
No, did you see what Seth Rollins' reaction was? Like it doesn't hit the news till the next. No, they do that on purpose. They, they're smart. Great story. It, it's 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 super intelligent. So I applaud because he's like it. he's been gone a decade and like I've been busting my ass and now you're gonna come back in. He's yeah. it's like screw him. But my question is, and even the funny thing is those uh, Moxley, Dean Ambrose, whatever the hell his name is now, also said the same thing from the AEW perspective. The Rollins is saying no comment. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> So here's my question. If it comes down to uh, Seth Rollins and CM Punk, who's going to end up being the heel and who's the face in that feud? Seth Rollins plays a great heel. He's yeah. a face right now. I know. It I would do. be a nice I, I, flip. I, I think the way he's being a little whiny ass right here is going to make ah, him out to be paying attention. I think that's going to make – because CM Punk came in and he's going to be like – and they'll be like, oh, you're just whining because like he would come rolling in. I bet – haven't been watching. I watched Survivor Series. I watched Monday, and you're 100% right. Seth is starting to whine a little bit about it. Even when he came out to cut his promo, the crowd was chanting CM Punk. They know. That's yeah. how good they are. They're just making the fans play into it. But then he's out there. He's like, go ahead. Get it out of your system. Like, he's acknowledging it. So there's something yep. being built there. Yep. And I, I'll watch it. That'll be great. I'll hey, tune in. The best crowd cheer I've seen in the last week was when uh, – Randy Orton was out there, which you didn't mention. His his return is bigger to me than CM Punk, but that's another story for another day. But he's in the ring with Rhea Ripley, and uh, who's your daddy? Mommy. Who's I, your daddy? I don't know if I've seen Randy Orton look more jacked. He's ripped. He, like, he got on that Hulk Hogan vitamins diet. I, I think you can tell he just hasn't been traveling, right? Like he got healed up, and I think they were just waiting on – the right time to bring no, him dude, back. He, he's jacked. So he's just been sitting at home, like just. He joined the Scott Steiner regiment. Yeah, big bad booty daddy. I'm telling you, that's what's going he's on. He's got a 33 and a third percent chance of he, being on steroids. He's ripped. Like he's the point, like the, the where the Rock is like kind of uncomfortable because remember he would just like jump up from the crouch position, but now he's too bulky. Same thing, Randy Orton. You can still do the RKO, but you're not going to be that apex predator he once was, bulked up like this. Yeah, he came back with a purpose. Did you see him hit the RKO off the the guy doing the flip off the cage? I did see that. That was pretty pretty sharp. Dude was jumping off the cage and he catches him in the RKO biggie. It was My nice. God, there's purple in there. <laughs> that freaking thing of Jim Ross near it and he's RKO in a helicopter and everything else. Oh, yeah. oh the video of just Randy Orton running yeah. around RKOing things. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. That's, that is good. I feel like it's like 15 years old, but I, I can still watch it like it just came out. It's it's amazing. You had to have wanted to RKO someone on Black Friday. I, you know, in my uh, big box retail days, absolutely. I mean, it felt like you were uh, trying to stop the, uh, you know, freaking night. It was like Dawn of the Dead and you're in the mall. Barricade. I watched that last night. The remake? No, the original. The OG. Ving Rhames. Oh, no, that's the remake. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I thought you were talking about the first one. That one's 20 years old, though. And, uh, oh, my God, it is. Chad? Have I mean, they remade it again? I mean. They might have. Because what I. So, real quick about music preferences. Two things I love. The fact that the Down with the Sickness is in a classical version. I forgot about that. It's like a Frank Sinatra version. Correct. Yes. And then, you, not, and then you have the Johnny Cash. I don't remember that. The very beginning. You don't what, remember that? What are they playing? I remember the beginning is like... When the man, is it the man comes around. 
Oh, that's in the very beginning. I didn't know that. Yeah, I don't. Know. It's been a while since. Do you I've remember seen that it. song though? I do remember the song. Yeah, so they play that in the beginning because it's showing the apocalypse happening. So it's showing. Is him it when his, she's leaving the hospital? Yeah, so and it's all showing that? him with okay. his Jesus, you know, like song, and it, it gets crazy. I'll always like that one. And I think you had like twenty eight days later, and some other yeah, things yeah, come yeah. out. But it was the first time you saw like athletic zombies. Exactly. Like they. The, now that they and can sprint, I, I appreciated this one though because it had some comedy in there. Because like there was a dr- like a a horde of zombies outside of the mall, and they were talking to old dude across the street who was the uh, sniper dude. Yeah, the, the signs. They had the sign. They'd hold the sign like hit Rosie O'Donnell, hit Jay Leno, hit uh, yeah, they were Arsenio calling Hall. out the, the doppelganger. No, and then they said, uh, "No, nah, I don't hit Rosie. That's too easy." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and they're talking to the dude all movie long and he holds up a sign it's just covered in blood yeah then he's gone yeah he's done you know south park did a a mirror image of that movie where instead of zombies it was just the homeless yeah it's the same everything you just said happened yeah it was just homeless people that's how it is in california now i think but anyway um i think i'm ready to wrap this show up and jump over and do the nfl picks but uh well, watch Oppenheimer, and I will do it as sober as I can be to make sure I enjoy it. It's a complete appreciation. But, uh, hey, we appreciate everybody uh, letting us invade your eardrums once again. We missed you over the holiday weekend, but thanks for coming back to us. If, you, if you're finding us for the first time, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcast, any platform, anywhere you can go. Follow us on social media. You heard the plug earlier. We'll see you next week. Enjoy your weekend. Get ready for Christmas. It's coming, guys. If you ain't done your shopping, go get it done. It's going to be around the corner. But we'll see you next week. Enjoy your football weekend. Enjoy your conference championships. The CFP final will come out Monday. We'll be back next week to talk about it. This has been the We Don't Know Sports Podcast. Have a great weekend. See you next time. Bye-bye.